Welcome to the Perpetual Learner Podcast, brought to you by CPP Ships Alumni Relations Committee, where we focus on interviewing STEM professionals who want to give back to the community through mentorship, support, and development to those who are seeking professional guidance. Welcome to the Perpetual Learner Podcast. My name is Gonzalo, alumni representative. My name is Benjamin Jimenez, the student representative. And today we're joined by another CPP SHIP alumni, Adan de la Cruz. He is currently the Supplier Quality Engineering Manager at Marvin Engineering. He received his Bachelor of Science in Industrial Engineering and is currently pursuing a Master's in Systems Engineering at UCLA. Post-graduation, he has worked in the aerospace and defense industry with projects ranging from the Boeing 737 to ground missile defense systems. Welcome to the show, Adan. Thank you for having me, Gonzalo and Benjamin. It's my pleasure to be on here. Nice to have you and glad you could join us. All right, Adan. I know we've met and interacted a few times at different CPP ship events, and it's only the second time Benjamin has met you. But for those listeners who don't know you, would you mind sharing some of your background in being involved with ship? Uh, sure. And I'll try to keep it short here, but I've got about 10 years of history to run through. So I first, uh, I would say I unofficially joined SHIP back as a freshman in 2010. Um, I say unofficially because I didn't actually fill out a membership application at the time. I was involved with MEP and a lot of the upperclassmen in MEP were involved in SHIP either on the board or committees and such. And so they would always talk to us a lot about it trying to get us to join. And eventually I listened and I started showing up to their meetings. But again, that that initial year, I didn't actually fill out a membership form or anything. So I was like one of those unofficial members. Um, While I'm at it, I'm also going to say that at the time, SHIP wasn't called SHIP. We we used to be called SHEESH, which stands for the Society of Hispanics and Science and Engineering. Um, We were still under the SHIP umbrella, uh, but Technically, our CPP chapter actually started a year before SHIP did. Uh, we weren't called Sheesh at the time. I, I don't remember the name, but by the time I had joined, uh, it had been called Sheesh for quite a bit of years. And I think it was in 2014 that SHIP National made a push to create a unified brand, which meant that all the student chapters that had different names could no longer maintain those names. We were being asked to change them um, and they kind of gave us an early warning, like, hey, do this now, plan it out before we force the change on you. So this led to a large discussion uh, on whether to comply and change our name or if we wanted to just kind of call it quits at this point and split off from ship. And again, we had been a separate entity from ship at some point. So we were like, well, it wouldn't be something new. Like we've done this before. So yeah, definitely a lot of discussion, particularly from our alumni who had very strong feelings and attachments to the name of Sheesh and all the good work it had done. Um, and not only was it like this kind of emotional attachment to the long name, but there was also concerns about ostracizing some of our members. Um, again, Sheesh has the science in it, right? So we were just a set of Hispanics in science and engineering, whereas SHIP only mentioned engineering. So that was also an area of concern. And long story short, you know, obviously we're your CPP SHIP now. So we decided to make that change. Um, but a very difficult time. And I'm not sure that all of our alumni have come back after that name change. Um, so yeah, a little history there. And I hope I got that right. I know we have several other alumni. And if you're hearing this and I got some of the history wrong, I apologize. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah anyway so like i mentioned the the upper class uh, convinced me to join in and so then the following year I actually officially joined it uh, you know did the membership forms and fees and all that good stuff and then after a while of being just a regular member at any meetings i joined the fundraising committee um, which was uh, you know very fun organizing all the little food sales tv tapings or what have you and then the year after that i jumped onto the e-board um i, I think the cpp has changed the board titles and restructured them, restructured some of the committees So some of what I'll say may be like foreign terms, <laughs> but I, I joined with the, when I was on the board, I was called co-VP um, and it was like a fun and challenging position. Uh, the co-VP position had nine committees under it at the time. So there was definitely a lot of work to do. And I, for one, have always liked a continuous improvement and, you know, kind of hence why I became an industrial engineer because that's all they do. So in the, in the spirit of continued improvement, I had asked my committees to kind of do more and like improve themselves. Like, where can you work to like just either streamline your work or do new things? Um, so I was actually really proud of the work that the committees did. So like, for example, academic networking started some out of the studios, alumni relations started uh, an alumni newsletter. ACE hosted CPP uh, tours with high schools, which we hadn't done before. And then they started Family STEM Day. I know they also wanted to do something similar to PDS, but we couldn't get there. So it was actually really cool to see that other boards eventually made it happen. Um, junior chapter started a new junior chapter and we piloted using Google Classrooms with them. Um, I pushed them into doing two NDCs instead of just the usual one. Uh, what else did we do? Yeah, also super cool. Uh, I, got, I got my committee to start mentorship, which we hadn't had at the time. I had learned about mentorship when I attended NILA And I thought it was a really cool idea. I was like, hey, we can do that at Gal Poly. Uh, so, so we did that. And there was a few other items on there, like some out of the studios. And yeah, there was just a lot of good stuff that happened uh, that year. And I was really happy, um, not just myself, but the support I got from the board and the committee members themselves. So, okay, so that was that one year at VP. Then the following year, I was going to finish in winter Uh, my degree so I wasn't really active I joined a committee but even that committee I was kind of just cruising by because I'm like I'm going to disappear in March I don't want to have a lot of responsibilities and then just disappear on everyone so that happened okay and then I graduated and at the time I graduated I started hearing these rumors of uh, SHIP LA that they're going to recharter and they're coming back and SHIP LA being a professional chapter Um, so I, I went to some of their initial rechartering meetings, but like things in my life just kept me really busy. So I didn't partake in that restructuring. And I just started showing up once their general meeting started up. Um, and then I would say, do you, there may be some questions of like current students, like, well, what's the difference and what's it like to be in a professional chapter? And I'll say that it was very difficult at first. Um, you know, I think as a student, you expect a lot of constant events like every week you're doing something and then even if there's not an official event you may be hanging out and again I'm not sure how COVID has affected that but that's kind of what I was used to at least when everything was in person so I went from that to being in a professional chapter where we would have like a general body meeting and then maybe we'd hang out afterwards and then kind of like silence and I'd be like where's everybody like I missed that like interaction um I think part of that was just due to, again, Ship LA was new. So there's some kind of like, they were also figuring it out themselves. But eventually, as you become more involved in the professional like, world and your life, you'll notice that 
you don't have as much time. And even now, like we don't have constant communication um, and there may be like a month or month and a half in between emails out from Ship LA, but it feels like just the right timing because you're so busy with other items and busy. And I, I can't quite explain it. Like I could understand this concept that as a student and something here alumni say like, oh, you know, we need more notice. You can't just like tell us the week before and expect us to show up. And I'd be like, but why? Like, I don't get it. And I, I, I still can't explain it, but it's a thing, guys. Like legit, once you're out in industry, you, you're, you'll feel it. And then I think the... Besides that, now I think like Shepele has stabilized more and we're a lot more effective in what we do. Um, so like, let's say, for example, like general body meetings, uh, whereas at, when you're an undergrad, you, you talk about like, oh, I don't know, like we're going to do intramurals and this is who we're going up against or be here at this time or what have you. Uh, ships uh, meetings are very much, um, what would I say? Um, we'll talk about like we'll invite speakers or panels and we'll talk about like ongoing current events that affect the Hispanic community or like emerging technologies and such. And so even if it's not in your industry, it's still very interesting and and just informative to hear about what's going on in other places. But yeah, so I guess to wrap up quick, like my involvement with SHIP uh, LA, you know, started as a member, but I've like been involved. So I've chaired their scholarship committee for the past three years, and I've been their director of events for one year now. Yeah, and that's a somewhat quick summary of my involvement. Awesome, Alan. And I know you mentioned that, like, at now, like, when you're working, you'd like a, a few weeks' notification for planning events or to fit them into your schedule. And I recently started working myself, and I completely understand that like my parents right now are still in the habit of like just letting me know oh we're gonna go out to dinner tomorrow and I'm like but I already have plans like I need to be I need like a notification ahead of time <laughs> and regarding professional chapters of that um, as a recent grad myself and for other recent grads that are listening and soon to be graduates either at the end of this semester or um, next spring semester, um, would you say that you recommend them to join a professional chapter? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you definitely get a lot of it out of it. And before I forget again, I think at least reason number one is your first year is free. So look at it like a free trial period to see what it's like and whether you, you like it or not. I guarantee that you will uh, and there's plenty of other professional chapters and that you can pick from and everybody kind of has their own little area that they like to specialize in or like their main focus so i would definitely say take advantage of your free year register with any professional chapter and then just show up to other general meetings so much easier now again that it you know thanks to covid we're all hosting everything through zoom or some other equivalent so you can pop into any meeting you can't say like oh you know but that's a two-hour drive for me or anything like no like you click a button and you're there awesome and for anyone listening we'll have the link up in the description for this episode so if you're interested in joining a professional chapter click on the link below and you'll be directed to the appropriate site uh well smooth transition here but as you know many changes have occurred because of covid such as the switch to a virtual environment which has forced many students to adapt to the changes on their own and could probably use help on many things 
One thing I assume you are qualified to help on our virtual interview since you are a manager, correct? Right, right. And you are the person interviewing people or who want to join the team, right? Right, yes. Uh, well, maybe you could help us on what to expect with virtual interviews and how they differ from in-person interviews and maybe offer some students tips for the interviews so they can be more prepared. All right. Yeah, so that's a great question there, Benjamin. I think, you know, that's definitely a question that a lot of people have had and definitely one I had as well when we were first starting up the, these interviews um, virtually. From all those interviews that I've done, I can say that there's honestly not that much difference in an in-person interview versus a virtual interview. Um, I think you'll feel the difference a lot more when it's a strictly phone interview because you only have a voice to go off of. But when you have that video, although it's not fully it's still the same as in person, it still conveys a lot. Like most of human communication doesn't happen through voice. It happens through the expressions and the way you move your body and all that. So videos add a lot of that element back in. And so again, it's not that much more different. I think if anything, some of the differences will be like we expect you guys to be a lot more prepared um, because it's, it's virtual and we know you're looking at, at a screen, maybe two. And we know you can have multiple items opened up to, so you can reference when we're talking to you. I would also say, and just, I'm sure everyone has heard this a lot now, but test your equipment ahead of time. Uh, don't Let's not get to be testing your equipment out in the middle of an interview. Um, there's a thing, you know, I think everyone has heard all the time on Zoom, like you're muted, <laughs> right? Uh, but there's cases where like, you're like, oh, you're muted. And then they try to unmute and then <clears throat> they still have issues. And it's like, oh, well, you know, they're whatever hardware issue. And then you have to like stop. And there's been a case where we had to reschedule, like, all right, like, fix your issues and we'll try again at a different time and date um and also lastly i would say definitely be on time you should always be on time to any interview but even more so to a virtual interview there you can blame it on traffic you know which is usually the the thing that everybody does that it's it's funny because when covid first started at where i work it took a while for the company i think about a month into the stay at home orders for us to also ban people from visiting so for the first month we were still doing in-person interviews and such and there was someone that was late once and they're like oh sorry you know traffic uh but if anyone remembers there was no traffic in LA that first week you know the freeways are all green when you would open up your apps and all that and we were we didn't call them out on it but we said like what traffic you know uh so again these are so these are some of like the different expectations that that will be uh that you'll be facing I mean, from there, I guess beyond just those expect uh, those kind of differences and expectations, most of everything will say the same. Like the do's and don'ts are are still the same. It's like don't not know what the company's about. Um, I was at a, I think it was a career fair with Ship, that we were we were they were touching upon this topic and they said there were, there's a company Solar Turbines. Um, if you go based off just their name. You, and which some people did, they asked, oh, you know, what do we do? And they're oh, you know, probably something like with renewables or like like solar powered energy or whatever the heck. And it's like, no, we're like gas turbines. Like do some basic research, please. <laughs> um, yeah, and and then beyond just doing the research, when you're when you're answering the questions, like just actually answer the question. And if you don't know an answer to a question, say you don't know. Um, there's an interview that I've, I've been at early once from someone that kept refusing to 
I mean, not maybe refusing is the wrong way word to use, but we'd ask them a question and they wouldn't answer it. They kind of start answering like the first sentence and then they taper off and go in another direction. And we, after like, we would try three, four times to get that answer out and we never would. They'd always go off on a tangent. Um, and then it, it just got very frustrating trying to get an answer out of them and not being able to do it. And we said like, you know what? If they can't even answer a basic question like this, it's not gonna, it's not going to work. Well, it doesn't show well, right? Like, what's it going to be like when you're working for us and we're trying to get you to give you instructions on what to work on, and then you're just doing something else. Uh, so we're like, you know what? There's no point in this. We're we're just going to end it here. And yeah, and so I guess that that's both a like don't a don't a thing not to do is don't not answer the question, which also ties into like do answer the question fully. I don't know, just yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a quick bit on that. I, I don't know if you have any other, uh, interview related questions that I could answer here. Um, yeah, I actually have one. So we've all interviewed before and we all know how it can be pretty stressful that time leading up to it. So do you have like any tips for people on how to handle the stress before an interview? Yeah. So that's a good question, Gonzalo, and I think I'll, I'll answer it as I can, best I can from my own perspective, and I say from my perspective, because honestly, I think everybody's a little different on how they approach it. My way of thinking about it and what's helped me is to also see it from the other side, and I can appreciate this a lot more now that I'm the one doing the interviews, um, but very often, the interviewer coming in is just, in some regards, can be just as nervous as you are. And like, oh, crap, I hope I don't screw this interview up. I hope I give a good impression because, you know, interviews go both ways. It's just as you're trying to get your foot in the door, you might also be looking out for the company. Like, you know, is this someplace I like to work at? You know, were they rude to me during the interview? Did they ask me like really dumb questions that like, why did you even ask that? You know, and, and those little things can leave a bad taste in your mouth. And so let's say even if the company does want you, you might end up being like, no, I really didn't like the interview process. I don't think it's a good sign. I'm not going to take this offer. So there is a bit of that. And so, and particularly uh, once you're in management and such, you're running meeting to meeting. You have people asking you questions. You know, um, it's quite often where I came out of a meeting, I'm at my desk and an employee comes like, oh, Don, like, thank God you're out here. I have this question. And as soon as I finish answering that, another employee comes up to me. And then I'm, I'm answering their questions, but in my head, I'm just like, crap, like I have an interview coming up. I was going to use the time to prepare and now I can't. <laughs> and so then I'll, I'll show up to the interview and like little, little, I guess, inside scoop here. But oftentimes when we ask you guys, oh, can you walk me through your resume? Um, we're not really listening to you. <laughs> like you're walking through it, but we're using that time to also kind of look it over and collect ourselves and get in the moment to be able to say like, all right, cool. I'm in this interview. Let's get this started. So again, just like, don't be too concerned. We're, we're all human and we're all like kind of experiencing, experiencing the same kind of things. And for me, again, that, that kind of insight is helpful when I'm interviewing to be a lot more cool and collected. And I'm, I'm hoping that if others hear this and know that too, that it, it'll help you too, that you don't have to be as nervous. We're, we're all human and we're all trying to like just do the best we can during the, these interviews. Thank you, Adan. And I have another question, Adan. So we know interviewing can be stressful on its own, but how about someone who recently changed their major 
and is trying to go for an internship or or a position part-time, how can they go about bringing up their change of major when talking to a recruiter or while being interviewed? Yeah, that's a really good question. And one that hits quite close to home because I found myself in that position as well. So I guess as background, when, when I had first started, I started as a mechanical engineering student and then I transitioned to industrial engineering. And I remember being at a, a ship conference and I'd be going up to talk to recruiters trying to find an industrial engineering internship and they look at my resume and they'd be like, oh, like, you're probably here to ask about this like mechanical related in this uh, internship. And I'd be like, well, no, like actually, like I wanted that industrial engineering position there. And I'd get this weird look like, like what? Um, and, you know, one would be like, oh, well, you know, try, try again next year once you have a bit more of, of industrial engineering uh, under your belt. And so I think from that, I part of it was my fault. And so I'd say one, do realize that um, you're like, how would I say it? Like you're, for lack of a better term, your lack of knowledge in the new field you just switched into. So don't do what I did and try to jump into something that's asking for a lot of like advanced classes. You know, let's say it's, it's like, I don't know, it's like if I had just switched from industrial to mechanical and I haven't even finished a, uh, statics yet but already I'm trying to apply to like something that requires me to know like advanced fluid dynamics or something you know it, it's not going to work so do gauge yourself in that and so with that in mind go for internships that don't have quite as heavy an expectation for like very domain specific knowledge which will be the majority of them um, so most won't have you expect you to be like uh, on your senior year with like a senior project under your belt already and so when you go up to them I wouldn't necessarily even say like mention like, oh, I just switch or anything. Just start talking to them naturally. Um, most companies don't expect a lot of, out of their interns as in we know we're not hiring an experienced engineer. We know we're going to have to teach you most of the things anyway. And on that note, even when you do start as an engineer, we still expect a, lot, a level of teaching. Like the general rule of thumb that I have is that it's going to take about six months before a new employee adds any value to the company. Um, okay, you know, that's the general rule of thumb that there's, you know, there's some give here, take, give and take. But again, we are expecting a lot of teaching upfront before you're able to add value back to us. And so similarly with an intern, focus less on like the specific classes you've taken and more on like the, the soft skills that you have, your, your ability to communicate, the, your ability to present technical concepts, because whatever major you are, you have to be able to take like a complex issue and be able to distill it down to a simpler format that anybody can understand, because you're not only going to be talking to engineers, you have to be talking to like the, I don't know, business admin or what have you. And everybody has to be able to understand what you're saying. And so being able to break things down is a key, um, uh, like, uh, strength or skill to have. So, very again, it's very much just focus on the soft skills. If someone brings up, like, hey, you know, I'm looking at your resume, and I see a lot of, like, in mechanical stuff, for example, and you're here applying for, like, electrical, what's going on, then you can answer at that point. But, again, don't proactively bring it up let them bring it up if they find it necessary. And if they do, it's probably because they're looking for that. But if they don't, they're probably like, okay, again, they're looking more for the soft skills because they know they're going to be teaching you that stuff uh, during the internship anyway. Thank you, Adan. And um, similar to you, I was um, also in a situation like yours where I actually changed my major from biology to mechanical engineering. 
So whenever I did um, talk to a few recruiters early on and they asked me, oh, about my history at school and um, I would end up bringing up my change of major and they were surprised <laughs> to say the least that I was changing from biology to mechanical engineering and all, all they really said was that's the that's quite the jump. <laughs> I know you mentioned that you changed your major and I wanted to know at what point were you like yeah mechanical engineering is definitely not for me and I should definitely switch to something like industrial engineering. Yeah so I want to say that there was a difference between when I reached that point of yeah this isn't for me versus actually making that switch and that that time difference in there took me about a year so I, I knew by the end of my second year that I, I didn't like mechanical engineering um, and I guess I should have seen this coming because like coming out of high school um, like I wasn't very well informed of the engineering major options out there and I honestly didn't do research on my own to know what was out there so coming out of high school I only knew of two engineering majors mechanical and civil and I knew I didn't want to do civil. So I said, well, okay, then all that's left for me is mechanical. And then I get to Cal Poly and I find out there's just a lot of other engineering majors I could have gone into. So by then on my second one, I knew it wasn't what I wanted, but I was still kind of trying to convince myself like, well, like, but like, like this isn't just what you wanted. And like, you've already invested two years. You really want to switch out. Like you can add more times your graduation at this point than like all your cool friends finished in four years and how could you not finish in four years yourself so there was all these doubts and so I kept going at it for about another year and then the class that just definitely took me out of mechanical engineering was uh, machine design um, like I had picked mechanical to begin with because I wanted to design cars which I would later find out has nothing to do with mechanical engineering <laughs> but that's what got me into it so I, I i powered through all these classes and i finally get to like uh, machine design and I'm like cool like finally finally some design what i wanted to do all along and then i get into the class and it's like all right class open up your textbook to like table 32 blah 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 you know and it's just like all these table references and generic formulas and there's and like you have an output of like oh yeah you know it needs this design's gonna need this, this, and this, but you never actually make like, there's no like sketch per se or anything like that, right? It's just numbers. And I was like, I, I can't do this. Like, th this is not what I wanted to do. And I had had a friend uh, who was industrial. He started as industrial. He had been talking to me about the major for a while and he had made it sound very interesting. So then the beginning of my fourth year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna take the intro to uh, industrial engineering. I forgot the name of the class and kind of see how I, how I like it. And I, I really liked it. And so then by the end of that quarter, I submitted my transfer of major forms and I, I switched over to industrial and never looked back. Awesome, Evan. And I'd also like to add on to that. Um, I had a similar experience changing from biology to mechanical engineering. <laughs> so it was towards the end of my first year actually when I realized yeah, I don't really want to stick with biology because initially my plan was biomedical engineering, but Cal Poly didn't offer that. And when I was applying to schools, um, I wasn't aware of all the other engineering majors. 
but I was more familiar with biology and physiology because those were courses I took in high school. And so when I applied, I was like, well, I'm more familiar with biology and it, it was pretty easy in high school. So how hard can it be? But by the end of my first year, I was doing well in biology, but um, I just, there was something telling me that something was off and it wasn't until that summer when I took a calculus course at a community college here back home that um, I started realizing, okay, yeah, this is something that I'm more comfortable doing, like um, writing out equations, doing the math for it. And my whole second year was pretty much floating in between majors because I knew I wanted to apply to change my major, but I couldn't do that until spring quarter. And so I was just taking all those um, prerequisite courses, which were the physics courses and the calculus series. And it was just a matter of getting those done, applying and waiting. And it wasn't until the, towards the second half of yeah, spring quarter when I got an email from the ME department that my change of major was approved. And it was such a sigh of relief. It was a huge sigh of relief because I had done all this work and I knew it finally paid off because there was still that question like, is this going to be worth it? And now after what? Yeah, pretty much six years I graduated <laughs> class of the first pandemic in this century. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a thing you can show off. Yeah, was first class graduate in the pandemic. I can show that off, right? Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so keep going on that. I think it's, and I'm, I'm sure you experienced it too, and kind of like what Benjamin has, like at what point, and you you know pretty early on, right? Like th- th- you have like this gut feeling, like this isn't for me. I got to change. And for anyone listening that's considering, like if you get to that point where like you again, it's like that feel, and you have it pretty strong that I need to change, j- just change because you need to change. You like you'll just kind of intrinsically know you need to do this and just you're just delaying the inevitable and 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 like for in my case you know I lost a year like you could say I could have graduated a year earlier um I mean it's still valuable knowledge I, I learned from classes and such but like I still I could have finished a year earlier and, and so just just go for it like if worse comes to worse I suppose you, you could always um well, I don't know if it worse to come to worse but you could always just continue a different degree like in grad school for example like like in my example like for me my master's is in systems engineering um which you know again it's not industrial engineering it's not like a continued just industrial but part of industrial we got a taste of systems engineering in there one of the classes and i liked it enough and uh that's a whole other backstory i could go into but ultimately i decided to go into systems for my master's and i know other people that have done something similar like for example um if anyone uh, that attended um, the professional development symposium, the keynote speaker, Emily Ann, um, she started also as an industrial manufacturing engineer for her undergrad. And then for her uh, graduate study, she's gone into material science. So very different, but still doable. And it's also similar to her. Uh, it, for her towards the end, she figured out like, oh, I think I want to do something else. I, but she felt she was too far along. I think she was about to graduate so she just finished it out and then pursued a different degree 
for her master's study. So there are various options out there. You don't have to be afraid that, you know, I'm going to make the switch and just screw myself for life. Like, no, like you can, you can go other places. And, um, and even if you don't pursue your, your graduate studies, even within industry, you have the option to go and do other items. So like, for example, um, I was interning at Boeing for a while. And when I first started interning for them, they got me as, a, as an industrial engineer to run uh, what's called discrete event simulations. But while I was there, they found out uh, that I had also had a minor in math. And so then my internship completely shifted focus away from industrial engineering into like data analytics. Um, and I would say like advanced data analytics, not like an Excel spreadsheet, but like we're coding and we're like doing some like, uh, what would I call it? And not quite artificial intelligence, but still like a, some level of, um, of automation and, and our coding and such. So it was really cool and really advanced. And then at the end of my internship, because that was my last internship before graduating, they wanted to bring me on board as a data analyst. Um, again, multiple reasons I turned it down, but just cause to show like, even though I had an industrial engineering degree, I could have gone into data science. And so, and if you work and you really want to switch, you're going to have plenty of opportunities within your professional career to make a switch. And kind of like I mentioned earlier, we're aware that we're going to have to train you guys in a lot of things. So it's not uncommon for people to make drastic changes in their career and have the company uh, train them and guide them into that new position and the new knowledge that they need for it. Thank you, Adan. And that's awesome to hear that companies are actually willing to help you out in um, testing out different fields and um, training you and all that. To wrap up our conversation, Adan, what would you say are some of the key takeaways from this episode? Yeah, so I, I think I'll have three main items. And uh, first, I, I don't think I made this uh, quite clear when I was talking about my background and shift, but be involved. The more involved you are, the more you get out of the organization. So if you feel that maybe ship isn't, hasn't quite given you what you think you need, um, I just, it just means you haven't been involved enough. Um, and, you know, it's like, this isn't like an easy relationship. We're like, oh, just give me, give me, give me. Like, no, like legitimately, the more you give, the more you'll get out of it. So definitely be involved in anything, a committee, board, whatever have you, just be involved. Second, relating to interviews, um, don't panic. It's just an interview. Um, that, that's, that summarizes it pretty well. And you don't need to add extra stress by thinking it's more than what it is uh, vir uh, to do virtual interviews. Um, and last, uh, here on the topic of changing your major, um, you know you need to make the change. So just trust your instincts and, and do it. And I think those are the three main takeaways here. Well, uh, thank you for your time. And uh, if you want to come back on this podcast, we can, we can definitely make that happen. So just let us know. If you want. Yeah, of course. I'd be happy to. I've really enjoyed this episode with you too. Yeah, we enjoyed having you on, Adan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode number four of the Perpetual Learner podcast. We really enjoyed talking to Adan about his involvement in SHIP, his experience with interviews, and changing his major. We encourage you to tune in to our next episode where we'll dive into career fairs and non-traditional job opportunities for engineers. Want to stay up to date with our most recent podcast and chapter activities? Follow us on Instagram at cppship and check out the chapter's website at cppship.org. 
Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and curious. Thank you.